0: ping pong, ping, 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 ping pong. I'm down to the next one. He opened it up for me, gave it to me all cold and frothy. You know, it's foaming out the top. I slammed that beer, gave him a fist bump and took off. I don't know what was in that beer, but for that last 10 miles, I rode like a rock star. So it's something behind the beer. <laughs> when people don't understand that You are not liked because the color of your skin, which you had no control of. That's a lot of trauma, childhood issues on top of everything else. So what I found out with the bike was, well, I can ride this bike and it doesn't ask me questions. It doesn't ask me how I feel. It doesn't ask me why I did this or why I did that. I get on it, I ride it, and it just gives me great joy. It gives me smiles because I can cover land, and I can cover topography that you can't cover in a car the only person you're competing with is yourself and at the end of the day that's the hardest competitor in my opinion yep
1: (laughs) welcome to trail effect i am your host josh blum Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 146, we have Jonas Sublet, and this is a good one. We cover everything from Jonas's journey into endurance mountain biking by way of the Dakota 5 and the Margie Gessick, along with what the bike has done for Jonas and others he has gotten on the bike. Jonas also goes into some of the racial inequalities he's faced, a topic that we definitely need to continue to bring awareness to. We close this one with Jonas's compulsion for ordering and wearing Kettle Mountain Apparel daily. Speaking of Kettle Mountain Apparel, the current 20% off coupon is set to expire on September 30th. There will be a new 20% off coupon code monthly now starting on October 1st. So if you are planning on ordering Kettle Mountain Apparel and want 20% off, you will need to get the new coupon code monthly, which can also be found in the show notes. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites, as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dujutsendit.com. Yes, that's right, it will get you to the cool Creative website, so check it out. A huge thank you goes out to the multiple people who have placed orders for Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One Components. This support definitely does not go unnoticed. I hope you are all enjoying the products that have been ordered. When you use the links found under the affiliate section at the TrailFect website, a portion of the proceeds will help fund the Trail Effect podcast. Bonus, use the code TRAILPOD when checking out for a 20% discount on all Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One Components. Now on to the Trail Effect with Jonas Sublet. How are you feeling? It's uh now a couple days post Margie. Your legs starting to come back around or are you still kinda of wore out?
0: Dude, I feel great. I wasn't uh I wasn't worn out when I got done, to be honest with you. I mean, uh I felt a hundred percent that whole time. And like I said, the last five miles, I just started getting really annoyed with uh todd which is uh to be expected because you know i haven't met this guy and actually um you know two o'clock this morning i re-listened uh to the re-aired um episode 145 because now it all makes sense like that guy is awesome like the method of madness that he creates and i understand it now because like margie crusher um these ultra running i'm like what's what's all this stuff and i've never like i've never really put my body through any type of uh extenuous effort to where i'd have to sustain energy so between the Margie and the dakota 50 is kind of the best things that i've done since i've been mountain biking as far as endurance downhill is fun you got 8 9 stages you just got to rage downhill the fastest you know, the transfers and climbing up the hills to get to the next stage, that's, yeah, you use effort, but you don't use max effort because you're not racing. Uh, totally different. So that's what I'm figuring out with the cycling. And But, no, I feel great. I went yesterday and did uh, – we have a hill in um, a town that I work out of, Winona, Minnesota. Uh, they call it the Powerline NSP Climb. It's a um, 13% grade for about, oh, three-quarters of a mile. And actually, um, your fellow employees, Rock Solid, are building great trails on there right now, which is wonderful. And climbing up that darn thing, I thought my legs would have, you know, hurt. My legs were strong and actually snapped a chain going up that darn hill. So I was trying to PR it, didn't get my PR, but we'll try again today. But my legs feel great.
1: Yeah, I went out to ride yesterday after work. My legs didn't want to work at all. At at all. They were like, "Uh uh-uh. Heart rate wouldn't go above one thirty, so I got oh. I got to get a little bit more recovery. Me. Dude, but, I, I'll go, the... but I'll go do it again today.
0: Well, and the thing about it is, you were doing the hundred, man. That's like that's a whole different bag of worms. at hundred mile, uh, Margie. So yeah, if I would have did the hundred, I might be talking a little bit differently right now. But the fifty, and I just think my overall energy, my overall excitement, my fitness. And the drive to want to finish anything I start, like, is what kept me what kept me going. And also, like, I'm a jiu-jitsu practitioner. You know, I, I fight and compete when I'm off the bike. I consistently have people trying to choke me, break my arms, break my legs, uh, you know, bone dismemberment. So it's a lot of yoga. It's a lot of flexibility. And I think that's what's really, that's what really helped me on the Margie was my flexibility. And the yoga that I do off the bike and off the mat, because riding a hardtail, which you could have told me this three years ago, I didn't know the difference between suspension, dual, you know, hardtail, uh full rigid, 27.5, 29. I knew nothing. I'm just like, oh, I'll just get a bike and ride it. But going from a downhill mountain bike racer raging downhill to riding a hardtail cross country, you have to. Ride differently. You have to position your body differently. You have to be loose on the bars. Hip placement has to be different. Everything, like, because you have no give in that rear end. So all the G force and inertia gets transferred from your body. And only thing that you have that's got given it is your front fork. So it, it's totally different. And I'm always a uh, grabbing on for dear life rider. So on my hardtail, after 20 miles, my arms would get stiff, my shoulder would hurt, my lower back would hurt. And that's because I'm just, you know, doing all that. So in like the last two, three months, along with yoga, I've been learning how to ride my hardtail looser, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, for sure. It totally makes sense. Let's back up to, uh, let's talk about your endurance because you did the Dakota 5 on Labor Day weekend, which was your first endurance race. How did that go? Uh,
0: <laughs> that, was, uh, that was an eye-opener because prior to that, I had just discovered single speeding. Um, a mutual friend of ours, old Johnny, was like, hey, let's try single speeding. And for some reason, I know why, John always brings the... The crazy goofy ideas to me because he knows that i'm gonna try whatever once and i'm like single speed man i can barely get up the hill with 12 gears you, you want to limit me to one gear he goes no 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 we, we can do this we can try it and blah 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 it's not that bad so i single converted the Roscoe over to a single speed which was hard the first three weeks but it was i found out it was doable it it help me to not depend on shifting gears which John would always call the gear shifter an antidepressant you don't like that adversity and that hard gear hit that antidepressant go to something easier he says the only difference is you got one speed one gear you got nothing but accountability so you got to get up that hill no matter what so doing that prior to the Dakota 50 I'm going into Dakota 5.0, like, yeah. You know, I put gears back on the Roscoe because, you know, conversations with you and other people, like, dude, you're going to want gears out there. I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I was going to single speed it. You know, I'm like, I've been single speeding for two months. I know everything. I'm bad. So put gears back on the bike and out in spearfish. And that wave two goes off and we take off. And I'm, I'm, I'm bad out of hell with, you know, five of my other buddies. And, Two of my buddies are super fast, you know, super fit, weigh half as much as I do. They're gone. So what I did was is oh well, I'm gonna keep up to them. So what I did is I just stayed in my eighth gear. So on my bike, my eighth gear is the same as my single speed. 32 ring in the front, 18 cog in the rear. So I just stayed in that. So that big climb, that big Dakota Hill, I stayed in that gear between that and seventh gear. I did that the first oh 15 miles. And then when we got into them steep, steep, steep hills, I went, you know, right down the first and second gear. Josh, I bonked at the, uh, if you were to ask me to spell my name at the aid station, aid station was called 21 because it was a 21st mile. All I remember is that chick holding me up, one of the volunteers, giving me a glass of pickle juice. And I think it was maybe some gummy worms or something or a little snack cup. If she would have asked me to spell my name, I wouldn't have been able to spell my name. I was out of it. Now, was I to the point where I wasn't going to finish? I don't have not finishing in my blood. If I would have had to drag that bike for the rest of the 50 miles, I would have. I just, you're going to have to kill me to get me to quit coming at something. But I knew from that 21st mile to the 38th when I started coming to again, that it's going to be a struggle. It was a struggle. It was hill after hill. It was climb after climb and I, the descents were, I felt like I got robbed on the descents because the descents would be for 25 seconds and then you've got another two, three minute climb. And then the next descent would be 45 seconds and then you got another three minute climb. So yeah, I, uh, I had an eagle check at the door at the Dakota five Oh. And like I told my other friends, that's what I needed because if I would have went if I would have did the Margie first with that single speed mentality, and I'm just going to rage and kick ass and this, that, and the other, I probably wouldn't have did the Dakota 5 just for the fact of, I'm not driving nine hours to go through all that crap to do this again. I'll just wait till next year. But doing the Dakota 5 first and then the Margie, Because it was like, okay, I bonked and failed at the Dakota 5-0. I finished. But you know what? Margie is supposed to be the hardest thing in the U.S. from what I'm told. Well, next to Leadville. I've never done Leadville. I plan on doing that. But when everybody says, oh, that's the hardest thing. So now I'm like, oh, I got to go get some of this. So I went into the Margie totally different. And like I tell you, I felt 100% the whole time on that Margie. I was just getting annoyed. With the trail routing, the last I'm like, Todd, Danny, Todd, whoever these guys are, we're gonna we're gonna have a real adult conversation because clearly the trail could go left and make it super easy around this tree. No, you got me going right to climb up five big rocks and then sixteen little baby roots, and then I get up to railroad tracks in the middle of the block. How do they get railroad tracks in the middle of the hill? I'm still trying to figure out were those railroad tracks real or was I hallucinating because <laughs> it was, it was about dark and it's the last five miles. There's a set of railroad tracks that goes right through the God hillside. So I'm like, what? And I'm, yeah, it was, it was a blast. So yeah, it was Dakota 5-0 was the good preparation for the Margie. Definitely.
1: I will say the railroad tracks are real because that's an old mining community. And I mean, they were probably really old and smaller gauged trains than what you'd see today but you brought up a good point or You you threw out the leadville thing and i'm gonna go out there and just throw some numbers out because leadville this year in the pro class it had a new course record and it's gone under six hours to complete that wow you look at margie yep this year there were we're gonna talk 100 now because we're comparing okay. the hundreds yep yep 12 belt buckles were given out this year in the margie which means the person went under 12 hours to get a belt buckle. I don't know if I know for a fact, no one went under 10 hours and I know for a fact in the history of the margin, this is going back to 2018 when the course was actually shorter, slightly shorter and a little bit easier. Only one person in the history of the Margie has ever gone under 10 hours. Okay. And so while Leadville I think is difficult from a uh, breathing perspective because you're up at, you know, you're damn near in space. We'll say it.
0: yeah yeah higher elevation
1: <laughs> i don't think it's comparable in terms of actual sheer difficulty even though the margie is at you know not at sea level but you can breathe normally because it's at the same elevation we live at yeah i think it's apples and oranges there and that might ruffle some feathers but i don't i'm gonna say that margie's harder or more difficult
0: well yeah and and like i said i i've never done leadville i've only I've talked to guys in my campground at Rippling River where I stayed that have done Leadville, and that have done the Margie, and I went to bed at mid um, after doing the Margie 50, and I got up at 5:30. As I'm getting up at 5:30, doing my stuff, you know, uh, getting things together, whatever, I see two guys come in and they hop out of a car, and the and the girlfriends or wives are going, "Woohoo, honey, you did it!" The guys. They, were, they just look disheveled. They look beaten up. They look hurt. And I said, uh, are you guys just getting done? One guy says, yep, I finished, man. Two years before, I had two DNFs. I had to hashtag text quitter. And I said, I'm doing. I was like, hold on, wait a minute. You're just getting done. Yep. I go, hats off. I gave the guys a big fist bump. He goes, if you hear me screaming in the bathroom, the guy goes, that's just water hitting my butt because it is sore so when i say hold on let what okay i gotta try this leadville for number one but the margie is a whole different monster than than what anybody anticipates so yeah i'll do the leadville so i can have a personal comparison but everybody i talked to there then it was three guys that all have done leadville and they've several margie 50 several margie 100 you know they've Completed it. They've had to quit it, this, that, and the other. They're like, Margie, by far, is harder. So I'm going to go after that. Yeah. You might say it's going to ruffle some feathers, but until I do Leadville, yeah, Margie, Margie's no joke, man. And I'm that's, and I'm a good, like downhill stuff, gnarly stuff. You can give me that all day and night, but you got to sustain the roots navigating through that chunk. If you're, if you don't have your riding technique intact or your endurance or your breathing, you ain't getting through that 50, not the last 15 miles of it. No way.
1: Yeah. The Margie I I joked last year that the Margie is like a 150 stage enduro race.
0: Oh, by, by far, by far. And it's like, I take for granted what I do on a bike downhill stuff, I come up to a cliff. There's a ten foot drop. There's chunk. There's slabs. All that stuff. I'm Geronimo sailing it off there because I'm just a adrenaline junkie and it scares me. Uh, so it's like, let's embrace it. When people are grabbing their bikes, grabbing on the trees, sliding down the rocks, trying to get their foot placement, and then I come up behind them. I'm like, rider back, dropping in downhill. They're just like, huh? And all you hear me is go ping pong, ping, ping, ping pong, I'm down to the next one. That's how I was gaining on people. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's people here that, okay, you're a super good cross country fit climbing dude. But when it comes to launching your bike downhill, Oh, that's where I'm gonna. And so I played leapfrog with a lot of people. Am I a better climber than what I was two years ago? Yes. Am I where I want to be? No, but there's a trade-off like I don't know. At some point, I'm kind of like, I don't care if I'm the fastest guy up the hill because I'm going to talk shit. How fast can you get down it? So that's technique. And that is knowing how to navigate. So that's where I kind of caught up and passed a lot of people is there was nothing there. And I'm not saying bad, anything bad about the Margie, but there was nothing there that uh, intimidated my. Gnarly factor, and I think that's because I've ridden in places like Moab, some super sketchy stuff in Arkansas, and uh, down south, you know, especially in like flo- you know Florida area. Uh, but the Margie itself, yeah, that's super for a cross country per- person that has better endurance than me. That doesn't really care about the downhill stuff; they're just worried about getting through, dominating on the flats. Dominating on the climbs, well, it's all a trade. Everybody's fitness is a trade-off. If you're good at uphill climbing and flat, and you're bad at the downhill, and there's a lot of downhill on that, well, I'm going to catch you at some point. We're going to leapfrog all day, and that's what I was doing with a lot of people. So for me, my first Margie 50 was to just get through it. Like you told me after we we were at the pizza shack. All right, Jonas, John's coming out next year because he couldn't do it this year. You said to me. I want you to race it next year. He goes, don't worry about doing, you said, don't worry about doing the hundred, do the 50 next year and race it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to race the 50 next year instead of just trying to get through it and see how I do.
1: Yeah. Cause the 50 is totally raceable. And just to be clear, what, what Jonas is talking about is he was also paired up with his buddy, Zach.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: You know, so they were, they were sticking together for a lot of it. And that's where, you know, they just, they were out there. You guys were, you basically just, getting the full experience. And speaking of the full experience, so everyone knows that there's no official aid stations for the Margie Gessick, right? Yep. What'd you think about the unofficial aid stations in the community that it brings out?
0: Listen, let me tell you something. The people that come out and those are all, are those all volunteers, right, Josh?
1: Volunteers are just people that live, like it's it goes to okay. their front yard or they decided to set up a a, a tent or a table and a random location that they just live around there or they want to do it
0: listen the love that was spread in that community and this is this is the best analogy or, or comparison i gave a couple other friends i said margie jessic is comparable to sturgis so what sturgis brings out and that is a motorcycle rally with you know everybody that has a motorcycle harley and bike crotch rocket, whatever, goes to Sturgis, South Dakota for the big two-week rally. That's all I could compare it to because when the people were coming out their houses with kettlebells and do you need water, people uh, would just drop their flatbed, drop the tailgate of their truck down with snacks and fruit. I came out of one hill and the lady is running next to me with sliced apples, cut up bananas, and oranges. She goes, don't get off your bike. Don't get off your bike. Here you go. I grabbed two oranges and I grabbed some apples and I just shoved them in my mouth, shoved the apples, tossed the peel or shoved the oranges in my mouth, tossed the peel. I'm like, that is freaking awesome. And when I stopped two aid stations down, you know, technical non-aid stations, there's were guys that would hold me up on my bike, grab my water bottles, hand them to another lady. She would fill them up they put my water bottles back on my bike, and then they would push me to get going. Like I was a NASCAR car at a pit stop. I didn't even have to get off the bike. And I'm like, oh, I was fascinated by that. But the one aid station, and I have written about it. I have talked to Todd about it. I don't know what aid station it was, but we came down a long descent, had to come across the highway, and there was a nice lady sitting there. With a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a cinnamon cream cheese donut, come to find out her name is Patty, and I said, "She goes, you want a banana, peanut butter and jelly sandwich?" I got no, I don't want the banana. What, what do you got in the bag there? She goes, oh, I got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, I'll take that. So she gives me half of that, and I go, "What? What do you got in that box right there?" Well, I got, I got donuts. Everybody knows me. I love donuts. Uh, what do you? What's that one there? Oh, this is a cinnamon cream cheese with extra thick cream cheese frosting. Josh, I grabbed that darn donut. I took a bite. Patty goes, I've never seen anybody eat a donut with so much passion. Every bite of that donut, Josh, I was like, Patty, you are the best person in the world. The cream cheese, it was homemade cream cheese. So it was the thick, thick cream cheese to where when I bit it, it got all over my top lip and all over the teeth and on the chin, you know, just just a big dollop of it. You know, I'm like, oh, this is so good because I was waiting for Zach to come down to the descent. I'm sitting there eating. I go, Patty, she's a wall. Are you an aid station, Patty? No, I'm just a volunteer. My daughter is coming down with her boyfriend. So I'm sitting there knee deep in the donut. Here comes her daughter and her boyfriend. Hey, hey, hon, here you. Here you go. I got donuts. I got this. That, and the other. I go, Patty this was wonderful. I got to get going, but I'll never forget you. She's like, do you want another donut to go? I go, Nope. Cause if I get a donut to go, that's going to be like dragging a boat anchor. But that Patty at that, that volunteer aid station rest stop, I love her for that donut because it is by far the best donut I've ever had at the time of need for sure, man. <laughs> but everybody, the love, I couldn't believe, you know, and then every, Word must have got out because I'm a guy that likes to do tricks, manuals. I like to do wheelies, I bunny hops, whips, all that stuff. So I come through the one aid station. The guys say, four people stop up, pop a wheelie. So I freaking popped a wheelie, rode through the whole aid station, made the corner right back onto the trail. And you could just hear them just yelling, must have made their day. But uh, yeah, man, I couldn't believe. How many people were out? Because I was like, "Well, I thought this was kind of self-supported." There was more unofficial aid stations on that race than there was the official aid stations on the uh, Dakota Five O. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, the Margie definitely rallies the whole community, and what we mean by whole community is it's actually in three communities: it's in Marquette, it's in Ishpeming, and it's in Nagani, and then every place in between. Yep. And it's pretty awesome to see the number of people come out. I mean, there's a there's always the, the worst aid station, which is like bratwurst and grilled cheese sandwiches. Some people have like fireball on the trail. Some people have beer on the trail. Like you can pretty much get, there's bacon. You can pretty much get whatever you want.
0: Listen, when I tell you, uh, then again, I don't know what aid station it was, but we were on a sandy beach. All I remember there was sand, there was two tents, and there was a lake in the background. And I asked the guy, I go, how many miles have I got left? He goes, you got 11. And he's rubbing my shoulder and I'm like, I'm like, he goes, How are you feeling? I go, I feel good. I feel a hundred percent. I'm just this terrain is techie. It's super techie. He's like, Well, my goal is to have 10. This guy's about, I want to say he's 60, 63 years old. Well, my goal was to have 10 uh, MG 100s done in a row. I only got seven done in a row because my daughter, my daughter graduated one year and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I had to go, I go, Well, wait a minute. You've done seven 100s in a row yep i've had uh five uh finishes and two quits huh and he goes yep i go whose case of beer is that over there because you know at this point i'm like okay i need beer and a lot of my friends i ride with uh we don't drink beer while we're riding me i'm drinking beer while i ride because there's something about a beer because I had two beers at the Margie uh, Bacon, or not the Margie, the uh, Dakota 5 Bacon Station. It's where they ha- hang bacon from the trees. And they actually put bacon in your beer as you're riding through, which I tossed the bacon and drank the beer. So I said, hey, sir, whose Coors Light is? He goes, oh, well, that's your 12-pack. Tw- I go, huh, can I have one? He opened it up for me, gave it to me all cold and frothy. You know, it's foaming out the top. I slammed that beer, gave him a fist bump, and took off. I don't know what was in that beer, but for that last 10 miles, I rode like a rock star. So it's something behind the beer. <laughs>
1: well, and you want to come back because you've already alluded to the fact that you want to do the 50 next year. And then, I don't know, you've also talked to me about doing the 100 after that. and so. Yep, yep. It's been interesting Definitely. to watch this transition because, you know, you and I met and John met, and I was I was the person riding the single speed. <laughs> doing endurance stuff and now i'm the person that's like i don't really know about this endurance stuff anymore i'm gonna go ride enduro and and call it a day but it's awesome to watch you and john especially like transition into this this endurance side of mountain biking because it it does offer a whole new dimension to what mountain biking really is you know and it's i think it's necessary to be involved with all of it personally but
0: oh you you're absolutely right and and single speeders i would look at them like you guys are just you're crazy you want to be punished and I want to go out and enjoy my bike, and since like I have converted my, my Roscoe back to single speed now, um, 32 ring in the front, 18 cog in the rear, which is super tough, and I'm going to go out and ride uh, my hills and my mountain uh, trails that I usually ride, and it's going to be super tough because there are some climbs on there where you're just standing up and grinding the whole time, but I will tell you, it has made me a stronger Uh rider, a better rider, and uh a better technical rider, too, because you have to carry that speed with single speed, and that's something I never really understood. Okay, well, I carry speed with my gears because I just shift the gear and go faster. Well, you can't do that with one speed. You've got to pump the trails, you've got to navigate the chunk, you've got to know when the ratchet pedal, you've got to know when to sprint to carry to get up that incline to be able to go down the descent. So Yeah, it's made me a lot better rider, and I think that if we have more people on bikes that don't use the words can't, don't, and won't, and use more words like can, will, and do, it's going to make everybody better. Because I'm finding out now, which like it's a double-edged sword, everybody in my mountain biking group, my road cycling group, we're all kind of the same fitness. Well, we were. John and I kind of stepped out the single speed because everybody else is like, nope, that's just going to blow up my knees. I don't want nothing to do that. Why would you want to be punished on a bike? Anyway, John and I have gotten a lot stronger. So now the guys that would leave me on the uphill climbs, like I'm leaving them. I'm not trying to leave them on purpose. I've got one gear to be accountable for. So I got to keep the cranks moving at a cadence that is not going to blow me up. So. Now when I call them buddies, "Hey, you want to go mountain biking?" Uh, yeah, you're just going to kill me, man, and I'm not trying to play catch up to you. You know what? I'm just going to I'm going to ride later on in the day, you know, and I I kind of don't want to ride. I was like, well, "Well, hold on, wait a minute. You're you're one of the buddies that got me in the mountain biking. Like I just want to ride with you. I don't care about our fitness." And that's where I find out, "Oh, I'm getting stronger than you." you don't want to ride with me because you don't want to try to keep up with me or you feel bad that you're holding me up. And I find out it's with a couple of my friends, it's a double-edged sword with this single speeding. Because when I was 200, I got on the bike, Josh, at 235 pounds. I argued with everybody. I'm the heaviest guy here. I'm the slowest guy here. I'm hard on equipment because my friends would say, oh, you're breaking spokes, this, that, and the other. Or I would break chains. He's like, "Well, you're not, you're not even comparable to the pros out there. They're they're riding at uh, you know six seven hundred watts and sometimes thousand eleven hundred watt sprints." Yeah, that's all fine and dandy. That's a great argument, buddies of mine. That's wonderful. Now, near one of you guys are six two and two hundred and thirty five pounds suited up. And if you look at science and physics, I've got a lot more pounds coming down on that freaking crank and a lot more pounds coming down on that chain, and a lot more torque on them, sports, them spokes than them pros. Yeah, they're putting out more energy, but I'm a lot heavier. So that's always my argument. I gotta ride differently. So I started losing weight. And between jiu-jitsu and cycling, road cycling and mountain biking, I'm down to 202 pounds now. So I can move a lot quicker now, which is great. So I'm not the slowest guy anymore, nor did I try to be the fastest guy. I was just out there enjoying the ride with my friends. And that's what it's always been about.
1: You know, the, the one thing about single speeding that I think a lot of people don't realize that, that haven't done it before is that you actually have forced recovery too. Which I know when I was single speeding, that, that really helped me a lot because I was always in the mentality when I gears that like, oh, we're going faster. You got to grab more gears. Well, now you can't. And so nope. now, so then I had to change my mentality. is like, now I got to take advantage of this time where I can't pedal anymore. Recover to use that in the future, and it always it worked to my advantage because it would would help me actually last longer in a race. Whether it was a cross country race or a a longer endurance race, it always yeah. There's disadvantages to it too, but you know it's I think there's more there's more advantages than the one than than what people think.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're right
1: about that, Josh. Let's transition into getting others on 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 bikes, especially like your mother and your brother.
0: Oh, so yeah, you look at. The people that I've gotten on bikes in the last two years, I've gotten, oh, probably eight, nine people on bikes. And I'm talking about them listening to my story, them listening to what I've dealt with, with my mental as far as, uh, you know, childhood stuff. Uh, No dad around. Mom wasn't around. Being raised by my grandparents, you know, being the only uh, person of color in my community and going through all that racism. And having to carry that and what a bike um, has done for me and they listen to this stuff and I say often well I don't go to therapy anymore because I've been on a the therapist couch since I've been 13 talking about feelings um, how I felt you know my dad not around um, my mom not around when I needed her to be my grandparents raising me and always talking to somebody about this and that my my behaviors in school, my fighting, because I was a different color. And when people don't understand that you are not liked because the color of your skin, which you had no control of, that's a lot of trauma, childhood issues on top of everything else. So what I found out with the bike was, well, I can ride this bike and it doesn't ask me questions. It doesn't ask me how I feel. It doesn't ask me why I did this or why I did that. I get on it, I ride it and it just gives me great joy it gives me smiles because i can cover land and i can cover topography that you can't cover in a car uh and things that i've seen so if you were to ask me well you just seem like a guy that doesn't want to uh talk or answer questions and uh you, you want to be an introvert no it's when you've talked to as many people i've talked to about how i feel and they don't live in my shoes and they're quoting things out of a book like, I don't, like, I don't really buy into that. So like, at some point you've got to, you've got to self entertain, you've got to self soothe. And that's what the bike has done for me. I mean, hopping on my road bike and riding a hundred miles and covering places that I didn't even know it existed is great. Hopping on the mountain bike, going for that, going for that gap jump or, okay, I'm gonna do this climb but I'll put my foot down. The only person you're competing with is yourself. And at the end of the day, that's the hardest competitor. In my opinion, I've had guys rub the back of my tires in races. Oh, sorry, you, you need to get out of my way. And I'm like, listen, if you're that fast, you, sh- you probably should have been in wave one or gotten up earlier so you could have your bike at the front of the line. Number two, I've got enough ribbons and trophies at my house to where I have nothing to prove today. To you or anybody else, I've got everything to prove to myself. So when I tell people that, and I've got a lot of family that that deals with trauma, PTSD. I've got a lot of friends that deal with trauma, PTSD. So I'm like, try jujitsu or try riding a bike. Well, I'm not going to, you know, the first thing is I'm not going to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a bike to do this, do that. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to grab a bike. If you only got a paved trail or city blocks to ride on, just ride it and get lost in your thoughts. So I've had some of the most negative people come to me and say, you know what, Jonas, I kind of took your advice. I saved five, 600 bucks and I went and bought a, went and bought a bike. I go, okay, how'd that go for you? Well, I'm going to tell you, it changed my whole life. Not only did I have fun, I lost the 30 pounds that I've been trying to get off for the last five years. I go, yeah, it's like a, it's like a hat. You go out, ride your bike, you have fun and you lose weight. Oh man. I mean, that's, that's a win-win. And then if you have that negative, negative energy and you just dislike everybody for something or your boss made you mad or your coworker was clicking their pen too, too many times in the cubicle, you know what you do? Go turn the cranks. Cause I guarantee it. All that anger you got in you go hit a 12% climb for a half a mile. By the time you get up that climb, you are gonna, you're going to forget that person in the office's name. You're going to forget the company you work at because all you're going to care about is that accomplishment of you getting to the top of that hill. And that's what life is. We're all, we're all climbing hills right now, man. And some people's hills are flat. They got it made. <laughs> Guess what? My hill, my hill of life has got roots. It's got gaps. It's got drops. It's got super rocky chunk that's wet. And I, I got to navigate through all that. And when I get through it, I look back at that and be like, you know what? <laughs> you weren't as hard as what I what I thought it was. So my brother got me into jiu-jitsu, younger brother. We're eight years apart. I said, okay, bro, you want to start bonding? 2000, 2018, I got into jujitsu. 2016 was my first uh, time I got a road bike. So two years apart. So I got into jujitsu because he wanted me to. Get into an art that him and I can bond. All right. So one year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, and uh here I am. I've been training and fighting jujitsu, what my little brother wanted me to do. And I and I like and love it. So now the question for my little brother was Hey, how about you come mess with these bikes? Oh, bro, I'm not I'm not wearing them butt short diaper things and shaving my legs and that skinny tire crap. I ain't do it. That's her that's her goofballs. Oh, so what you're saying is the brother that got into what you wanted to do, I am that guy. So pretty much you're, you're making fun of what I do. Oh, no, no, bro. It's not that. No, no. I would ne- I'm just, I go, no, think about what you just said. It is about that. So I said, you have bad lungs, you have a bad back, and you've got mental trauma because the trauma that you were exposed to, I was exposed to too as a kid, man, and it sucked. I seen the same things you did, dude, and it affected both of us. Here, let's go out in my garage. Let me show you what I can do on a bike. It was the height of you know the pandemic, all this stuff was starting. I popped a wheelie in my garage and I rode, I rode a wheelie in a circle. 6'2, ah, uh, probably 2:30 at that time. His mouth hit the floor. Bro, how are you? How are you doing that? Like, you're not skinny and small like the other guys. I go. It's all practice. It's it's balance. It's it's technique. It's a bike. You can control it. You can do this. So my brother said, huh? And I said, save up your money, and I will buy you your first bike. I'll pay half of your first bike. Or if you don't, I will buy your first bike for you. So what I did is went down to uh, Adventure Cycle and Ski, which is a cycling shop in our town, uh, which my good buddy Brad owns. I said, hey. I'm going to get my brother a Marlon 8, start him out on that mountain bike. He goes, what, Dion? I go, yep, get him on a bike. So bought my brother Marlon 8 uh, a year and a half ago, and I can't get this guy off the bike to the point to where when I got my Roscoe, he went and bought a Roscoe six months ago. I can't get him off of that. I taught him how to ride a wheelie. He's riding, this kid is riding wheelies better. He is riding wheelies better than what I can do. People think I'm good, and I'm pretty damn good. I would say there's not – I can go to many towns. There's not too many people that are going to out-wheelie me. And I'm not talking about just popping up a wheelie riding for a couple blocks. I'm talking about riding from one side of your town to the other, hitting corners, hitting dips, all the impurities of the road, and keeping that wheel up, fighting the wind knowing how to open your knees, open your hips, turn your wheel, your front wheel a certain way so it grabs the air to make you go left or right. So like my longest wheelie is probably two and a half miles. No problem. People say, holy, there's no way you can do a wheelie for two and a half miles. Yeah, yeah, we we got it on video and I can manual. That's all I did during COVID. I said, if I cannot be the quickest guy up the hill, if I cannot be the fastest guy down the hill, one thing i'm gonna master is party tricks i have been to enough enduro races i've been to enough road cycling tours and i've been to enough mountain bike and cross country events to know that the guy that can do the manual in the wheelie he is always remembered and he is always praised you know why the hours and time and dedication it takes to perfect them to arts the wheelie and the manual Cause one is operated by crank and one is just operated by pure balance. And when you can master them, which I can say I have, everybody remembers you. It's just riding wheelie cross finish lines. That's my thing. Every time I see the finish line, doesn't, doesn't matter how tired I am. I'm popping that sucker up. I did, I did it at the Dakota five. I rode a wheelie for two blocks past the finish line. Margie 50. I, can't, I hit Main Street, I popped it up right past the barricades, and I rode that sucker all the way through. And if Todd and them guys weren't at the end, I could have rode it. I could have rode it all the way through town. That's how good I felt, and that's how much control I got. So once I showed Dion, my brother, all the things you can do on a bike, it's not about Lycra, spandex, and being in a Peloton. It's a whole different world. You make biking what you want it to be, the world's your oyster. So now, like, him and I ride probably about 25, 30 miles a day. And all we do, practice wheelies, practice manuals. I t- train him on how to breathe going up inclines. I train him on how to reserve energy and when to attack. So now mom gets wind of this. Hey, um, what y'all, what you and Dion been doing? Oh, Mom, we just been, we just been riding bike. Well, hold on. Dion don't even like riding bike. Uh, well, I guess you ain't talked to him lately because he's got his second bike. What? Calls my brother up. Dion. What's up, Ma? Uh, you got a second bike? Yeah, I just I just got a Roscoe. Uh, I got a Roscoe 8. Wait a minute. Doesn't your brother got a Roscoe? Yeah, but he got the 7. So, Mom's like, well, I want to get a bike. I said, Ma, I told you before that the bike will help you with your with your mental therapy. It'll help you with your fitness. And it just help you with your, your overall self-esteem. So, two months ago, Josh, where are we at? We're down at uh, Adventure and Ski. Mom, which one you want? Oh, I want that Verve 2, which Verve 2 is kind of like a uh, sit-up, more sit-up town bike, you know. Uh, I think it's like 18-speed, 18, 18 whatever. Mom starts, mom starts riding. We take her out. I take her around Lake Winona. We got two lakes in Winona. We got some hills. We got some this we got some that it's a college town so we got all types of nooks and crannies to ride through um mom's first day she did 22 miles with us my mom's 64 years old um most people that just get a bike they do 5 miles and say my butt hurts or they say my knees hurt or they say this hurts that hurts my mom did 22 miles with us her first day of getting that bike i think for the whole week she got I think she had 93 miles in and her goal was to have 100 miles in the first week she owned that bike so now fast forward to today just before we got on this podcast mom sends me a message hey son you trying to ride today when you get out the semi yeah mom dion and i are gonna go out but but my bike is single speed again so i can only do like 14 miles an hour on the flats. oh that's okay can we do some inclines what mom yeah. Can we do some inclines? I go, mom, uh, you're 64. You sure you want to do that? Yeah. I want to, I want to get inclined today. I got to get my little legs together for my, for my boyfriend. You know, I got to, <laughs> I go, what Mom? <laughs> I go. So, and that's just two stories. I've gotten fellow truck drivers on bikes. I've gotten friends on bikes. I've gotten their kids on bikes because my goal is if I can get somebody on a bike, For that bike to bring them wellness, better self-esteem, drop a couple pounds, cover some ground, and get that I can't, I won't, I don't, head. I've won. Hey, I'm trying to share all the greatness with everybody. You know, um, if I can do it, I know you can do it. That's what it's always, it's always been willies and manuals and bunny hops and all that stuff when I'm not. And there's a lot of stuff. Everybody, you know, they watch that Strava. Uh, Where'd you climb? Did you get, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times that I ride. I don't even put it on Strava. I do probably three hours of wheelie practice and manual practice a week that I don't even post because I'm always keeping my technique sharp because even mastering the art, there's always stuff to learn about a manual and a wheelie that I'm just now discovering that makes it even more fun or as the kids would say, more funner. (laughs) So that's where it's at. And uh, it's helped my brother and my mom out immensely. Um, We never really used to talk on the phone. My brother and I, we talk about jujitsu a little bit. Uh, I probably talk to my brother three hours a week on the phone about bikes, about dropper posts and how uh, different height handles will the pressure of his shoulders, how his saddle adjustment will take pressure off of his pelvic bone, how these pedals are better than those pedals, like stuff that I never thought I'd ever talk to my brother about. He is a true cyclist now. Um, He's going out today in our town, Winona, Garvin Heights, is a popular, popular road. I think it's the top 100 climbs in the world that... um Uh, road cyclist train on i think it made that magazine in 1999 or 2000 early 2000 so yeah and Dion's gonna go he's gonna go climb that this morning top to bottom and that you mean you mean bottom to top brings chills to me yeah bottom to top bottom to top there you go bottom to top so yeah that's what he that's what he's gonna do and he's i can call him a cyclist now he's in the bike shop getting parts and doing this and doing that where there was a time when i was on Zwift. And if you don't know what Zwift is, it's an indoor um, training game, uh, whatever platform that a lot of us cyclists in the wintertime that live in the northern states will use to train on. I know you don't, Josh, which it's funny because every time I'm on Zwift, I have you in my head to get on my fat bike. I just I don't have the time at you know, 5 o'clock in the morning to get suited up to get on the fat bike, so I just get on Zwift. But there was a time when I was on Zwift and my brother's like, yeah, man, that just looks dumb. Now, my brother, we're going in the winter. He doesn't have a fat bike. Hey, bro, what's that trainer you got? Oh, uh, man, uh, you think I can put some road tires on my mountain bike and get on the trainer? I was like, no, you can just get a direct drive. That'll hook up to your uh, your drivetrain, and you can put your mountain bike in there. Really? I go, yeah, so I can train. So those are things that just make me feel great as a uh, human being and as an older brother, because now. He can go pedal through his thoughts, and he called me probably two weeks ago, just crying. I said, "What's up, bro? You good?" He goes, "Bro, I just, I just wanted to thank you, man, because this bike has just saved my life, and uh, I don't know what else to say. I just, I, I'm sorry for ever making fun of you, but this bike life, this bike life is real, man, because I pedal through some shit that that I could never get through before. But the bike, the bike has tasted me places where I can get through it. That right there." that's the win for me. That's the win
1: for sure. It's, 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 I mean, the bike and the bike has been a tool for like well over a century now too. So it's, it's kind of incredible to think about like how old the bike is and how much it really hasn't changed a lot. I mean, obviously it's changed some, but you know, it's still, it still serves the same purpose and it's, it's an incredible tool and it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible thing that you can do to, obviously go through all the stuff you've, you've explained all the you know, I, I use it for a lot of, a lot of the same stuff. And I know a lot of other people do as well. And spreading that, spreading that message is super, super important.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's, there would be times, um, I went through a very bad semi accident in 2018. Uh, me and my co-pilot, my, my brother in arms, a good friend of mine, we, we do these runs from Winona minnesota to california and back and unfortunately in 2018 uh, we were driving through some fog in a construction zone and a driver in front of us decided to stop and park his semi right on the interstate because he didn't want to drive anymore and i hit him at 54 miles an hour it sent my partner from the bunk into the windshield not through the windshield everything on the driver's side of the semi where i was hit the back right corner of that other driver's trailer and pretty much crushed me into the driver's seat under the steering wheel and everything to where when I woke up uh the jaws of life was cutting me out um blood was dripping all over me uh my friend was screaming because he had busted his knee flying through the bunk on the dash and it was whole chaos so 2018 was very hard the recovery was very hard um probably should have died that year but both of us walking out of that semi the way it was crushed dude there there's no way you could have told me we should have been dead but we're not i'm here i deal with that a lot it took me a long time to get back in the semi and i still had ptsd driving through fog and driving through construction zones and seeing brake lights i still have moments where i have to pull over I have to use my therapy exercises to get through it. It's a whole thing. Now, I have my bike in my semi. I built a bike rack in my semi. So I have a condo semi that has two beds in it. Got a bed I sleep in and it's got an upper bunk bed, which nobody sleeps there. So I built a bike rack. I carry my bike with me because when my PTSD gets too bad, where I got to get away from the semi, I'll take the bike out of the bunk. I'll put my kit on. I will go riding for a couple hours to pedal to pedal that trauma out of me. I travel all over the United States in this semi. I pull the semi up the trailheads. I pull the semi up the parking lots. I pull this semi up to Walmarts, wherever you name it. I will go on trail forts. I will find the nearest trail. <laughs> if it's got enough room to get 72 foot of semi in there, I'm gonna park there. And When people look at me, when I pull up and I yank a Trek Roscoe 7 out that semi, I get my full kit on and I go riding, they're just like, wow, I ride everywhere in the United States because I have the opportunity to with the semi. And that is how my bike is my therapy. And that is how I pedal through my trauma from life, from this accident and everything. So That's huge, man. And um, I just try to um, give everybody else that opportunity to be able to do the same thing when they're when they're struggling. And when you're having fun, like Margie 50, Dakota 5-0, Arkansas Enduro Series, Big Mountain Enduro Series, that you're having fun with like minded people that you don't know what struggle they're going through. And when somebody says, oh, man, you got it made or he or she's got it made. Well, I dislike that a lot, because if you were to sit in a room with 10 other people and everybody took their baggage, took their stress, took their trauma, put it in the center of that table. And then somebody goes, all right, let's all exchange. I guarantee you 10 of them people ain't going to exchange shit. And they're going to keep it. And that's the thing. You don't know about another person's struggle. So yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's my take on a bike. You know, um, it's better than, you know, it's better than grabbing drugs. It's better than grabbing alcohol because some people will do that to alleviate that pain too, you know? So yeah, that's, that's the more happier route.
1: For sure. sure. It's, it's so, and I know we've talked, we've talked some numerous, numerous times about, you know, your excursions on trail forks and where you're driving and, you know, you've asked about different trail systems that I may have been to in the in the past and whatnot, or if I know anything about certain places. And it's awesome to be able to spread that knowledge, you know, especially to you, you know, who's really using the bike in ways that most people won't, you know, and people, I mean, how many truck drivers do you know that throw bikes in their, in their semis? Probably zero.
0: Oh, oh no. And that's the thing. I'll get to these rest. Like I sleep at the uh, loves travel stops a lot. They got clean showers. They got clean bathrooms and when I'm through riding I go take a I got enough shower credits cuz I travel all over these guys when I'm pulling my bike out of my semi what they will do is they will sit in their semis and you see their cell phones popping up on the dash they're taking video of me so I laughed at one guy I've laughed at several guys instead of taking video of me get my bike out to do something great to stay fit or whatever how about you get your ass out of the seat and do something now that's the type of guy I am. I'll call a guy right on out. Sometimes it gets the person that wants to fight me. Oh well. I mean, I can handle myself, but at the end of the day, I'm holding you accountable for what you're doing. Don't, don't take a video of me, whether it's negative or positive, to send to your other buddy, yeah, look at this clown. He's doing too much. Guy's got a bike in his semi. <laughs> Who is he? When you're sitting there eating pizza, uh chewing on Twinkies. Because I've seen them do it before and sit there and laugh at me because I'm doing something great. But I've also, not to just lead with the negative, Josh, I've also pulled that bike out that semi and had some guys walk up to me. Dude, What you, you can fit that in there? Well, yeah, it's, it's it's a condo truck. I got plenty of room. Well, what are you going to do now? You see that trail right over there on the other side of the Loves parking lot? There's a whole trail. It's called the, uh, the Clive, Iowa um, Grain Belt Trail. Yeah, you can go walk back there. You can go ride bike. It'll take you to Des Moines. It'll take you over to, uh, uh, what's the other state, Uh, Clive, Iowa. And it'll take you over to Ankeny, you know. So I'm going to go hop on there. Man, you're a a great representation for a truck driver, man. You're awesome. Well, see, that's another mistake. What's a truck driver, Josh? Right there, people are just, well, you don't look like a truck driver. What does a truck driver look like? I don't know what a truck driver looks like. I don't know what a banker looks like. I don't know what a person that bags groceries looks like. They're just all people in me. I don't know from what they look like, what do they do for a job? And that's where I start really messing people up and getting them to think, oh, oh, you think a truck driver is supposed to be overweight, smoking cigarettes, drinking pop, talking shit, you know, and all this. Oh no, that's the problem with your mindset. No, cause there's a lot of truck drivers out here, Josh, that are fit as shit. There are truck drivers out here that will pull a weight bench and weights out of their trailer and they will do a full 2-hour workout in the goddamn parking lot stall. Burpees, flutter kicks, push-ups. I mean, yeah, there's some dudes out here that give Ronnie Coleman a run for his money. And if you don't know who Ronnie Coleman is, he's probably one of the strongest guys weightlifters out there or was. You know, there's some guys out here that are so cut make Arnold Schwarzenegger look like Mickey mouse. So
1: like what's a truck driver. He just turned this podcast <laughs> into a over the top movie scene. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're, man. We're, so, we're, we're training for an arm wrestling tournament in the cab. Yeah. I'm
0: telling you these it's guys. Hey, there's some, yep. There's a, there's some strong dudes out here, man. I mean, there's a lot of, I don't like to be classified as a truck driver because I'll mess with people at mountain biking events. I'll say, okay, let's play guests of profession. You guys know it all. Let's, let's play guests of profession because like John and I, good friend of mine always say, we ride with a doctor. We got lawyers. We ride with, we've got truck drivers. We've got police officers. We've got nurses. We've got firemen. Like if you play guests of profession with me, you're going to lose every time. Especially if you don't know me, you're going to lose every time. Because you're not going to think that I'm a truck driver, especially if you have that judgment of what you think a truck driver is. So, yeah, and that's the thing, man. It's just, uh, it's a different world. I mean, the world out here is an evil world. And hey, I just need, I need my bike and jujitsu and my wife. Sometimes I don't sleep well and I, I have these dreams and I have night terrors and I have this. It doesn't surprise her if I get up out to bed at two o'clock in the morning. Hey, hon, I'm going to, I'm going to go knock out 60 miles. Okay. Just, uh. You know, have your life 360 on and, uh, you know, have your have your road ID bracelet on, please. And uh, and your lights. Ultimately, like, a, yep, and my and my lights and the other thing, me being me and my gun. So the people that are listening now probably just, you know, spit out their coffee. What? Oh, my God. He trap? What? Yeah. When I'm on my road bike newsflash for everybody, I'm black. Maybe I don't sound black on the podcast, but guess what? I'm black. So when I'm riding in the middle of the night through different communities, through different areas, through different counties, yeah, I'm the guy that's got a gun on him. Why? Because I don't want Joe Blow to be like, yeah, let's go get that mother effer. Yeah, what do you think? And that's happened to me before. That's happened to me in my personal vehicle. And I'll put out there, Ahmad Arbery was out there running. And if you don't know who Ahmaud Arbery is, Google it. He was out there running and he's no longer with us. So at the end of the day, which a lot of my friends probably don't know, when we're out shredding, you know, oh, let's go shred Jonas. Let's go ride bike. I got a gun on me. You guys don't even know it because you know why? I look at scenarios and I have to deal with stuff totally differently than what most of the people I ride bike with. When I'm doing my hundred mile tours back to back to back, when I'm doing Ride the Ridges, which is a big popular ride in Winona, Minnesota, when I'm riding in Bentonville, where everything is just great, Bentonville, Arkansas, I got a gun on me. I don't ride anywhere without my gun on me because you know what? I am challenged and I am disliked and I am hated because the color of my skin and that's nothing I can control. Yep. I, I tuck my pistol and my little biker butt shorts and I'll go bike for a hundred miles and not even know that thing's there. But you know what? I've also biked through some areas when I've, I've been chased inward, 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 get out of here inward. What? I'm just trying to, wait a minute. I'm just trying to ride my, oh, you, you, you're on that. So to protect myself, which most of the people on here will not relate to, if you were to say, hey, do you ride with a gun on you? 98% of the people that listen to this podcast, I never would have, I mean, I never would have thought to ride. I mean, wow. What? You, oh my, that's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. Welcome to my life. Welcome to what my kids go through. So, for me to enjoy what I do and to be safe, I ride with a pistol on me all the time. All the time. You wouldn't even know it. The way I carry myself, the way I talk, I'm doing push ups, I'm doing willies, I'm doing goofy shit. There's a gun on me all the time because I do not trust the elements of people's mental when it comes to. Race and when it comes to hate. And that is that I protect myself by any means necessary. And that is the bottom line so that I can continue to ride my bike. Being chased by somebody and being called the N word just because I'm doing something great that I like to do is not freaking fun. I'd rather be chased by a dog or a bear. At least I know they're just hungry or dogs just doing what a dog's supposed to do when somebody chases you in a car with the intent to harm you and yelling racial slurs at you like i said 98% of the people on here will not relate to that that is the stuff that i have to endure and i've endured it a lot on a road more more on my road bike not so much on the mountain bike so because the road bike i can cover more communities and that's the problem you get and some of these backwood areas that are very remote, and they've never seen you before, and you've got the c- Confederate flags hanging in the window, and you've got the Confederate flag off of the tailgate of the truck, I'm already tensing up, preparing to see what it's going to be like going through this unincorporated community. And I'm sorry if nobody really likes what I'm saying right now, but it's the truth. Love mountain biking. That's just that
1: the thing that I don't get, I, I got to throw this out there. Like we live in, we live in the North. I'm going to say, yep. yep. it continues to blow my mind when I see a Confederate flag up here. It's like, what the, oh, what? Yeah. Like, yep. I don't get it. I just can't wrap my head around it. Like, and that's, yep. you know, and that's my own ignorance. And, and obviously I grew up in a way different way than you did in some ways. We're actually eerily similar, you yep. know, with, with yep. the, you know, <laughs> with the single mom and, and, yeah, uh, yep. and dad not being around and whatnot, but like, it's still yep. like, I never once had to even remotely imagine to go through what you, what you go what you've gone through and other people that are, you know, in a similar situation as yours. But like, when I see a Confederate flag up here, it's just like, it's like, really, what do you, I don't yeah. even know <laughs> what you're, what are you trying to, I don't get what you're trying to prove. Furthermore, it's <laughs> 2023, the but obviously oh. that's still like, yep. it's, it's like we're yep. living in the early 1900s.
0: You're absolutely right, man. And like I said, I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of I, did, I just I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of time on it. I just the listeners and I listened to I've listened to every one of your podcasts. I've listened to every one of the great people that you've had on here. And you know what, um, until everybody else gets better, until people start getting better and accepting everybody. I'm sorry, nothing's really going to change. I mean, it's just not And Oh, well, we yeah, I need to create you know,
1: awareness around this. There's, there's, oh. that's, that's, that's the important takeaway here: is creating awareness yep. around this, and and that this these issues do still exist.
0: Oh, you darn, you darn right, Josh. So yeah, it's just, but you know, back to biking. I mean, I I'm gonna bike today uh, later on with my brother and my mom probably, and then I'm gonna go to jujitsu tonight, and then be up for work at one thirty in the morning because you know. Another thing that really changed my life was, who was it? uh, You Can't Hurt Me, Mr. Goggins. That book, I read that book, and that book changed my life as a cyclist, as a parent, as a husband, as a friend. Because when he went through what he went through as a kid, as a guy trying to get into the Marines, And into, uh, you know, uh, the beret, all that stuff. And he said, only thing I honor, he goes, honor your word. Do not honor your excuses. I'm like, holy smokes. I was mind blown. And then to find out this guy went and did an ultra run, a, a hundred mile run off of Ritz crackers. He didn't even prepare. And then he goes, well. It was extreme heat. It was about 102 degrees out. And I figured out that if I ran on the white line, it was 15, 20 degrees cooler than the black top. I'm like, first of all, running 100 miles in the heat off of Ritz crackers to the, uh, on two bad ankles and he still did it. You know what, Josh? I ain't got no more excuses. What, what hill we climbing?
1: You know, it's <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up and that we've been talking about the Margie Gessick because a couple of years ago you know, after the, after the registration, you know, cause you know, that's, yep. that's the race within the race.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Todd Poquette. I don't, I'm assuming it was a joke. I don't think it was real. And Todd, well, I'm, Todd's going to listen to the show. So yep. he'll verify Todd. this or not, but he put, he put David Goggins on the registration on the list of registered competitors at one point for their money to Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what that Todd, let me tell you about Todd and I hope you're listening Todd and I can't wait. to Either have a burger with you, have a beer with you, pancakes, whatever you like. Cause you were at the finish line, man, and I didn't even really recognize you because I, I was just like, Man, I did it. But like I told him a couple days ago on Facebook, that's a guy right there that probably didn't get hugged enough as a kid. And he goes, he responds to me, I need a hug. So I got your hug coming, Todd, because that race you put together was was awesome, man. And just 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 all the funny stuff. And I think that's what I liked about it—the tokens. Like I'm tokens.
1: What they're, tokens? They're dumb,
0: dumb. Yeah, they're dumb, dumb suckers.
1: And an, atom- like, put, and an atomic jawbreaker.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Who? who oh wait, you didn't the get the atomic
1: like, jawbreaker. You no, didn't I a- didn't get
0: the jawbreaker. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Well, why are we grabbing suckers? And then the one I was like, "Man, I'm not grabbing no damn sucker." Guys, like, hey, uh, you might want to grab that sucker because once you get to the finish line, if you don't got all the tokens, you're not gonna finish. I go, how much you want to bet I finish? If I come across the finish, line, I'm going to finish. You might finish, but you're not going to get your 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 chips. I go, huh? So anyway, grab the dumb dumb, put it in the case. But yeah, that Todd, that guy's a hoot, man. That guy, that get that I I loved and hated him at the same time of that race.
1: Well, we can uh, we can truly blame Todd for the reason why you got signed up for this race in the first place because yes. a year ago, John DeGeorge and I were up in Marquette. To do the uh, Marquette Fall Enduro. And knowing that we were going to be up there, I scheduled a, a breakfast with myself and and John and Todd and <laughs> downtown Marquette. And so okay. John, who I never thought would ever sign up for the Margie was like listening to Todd's and I's conversation about last year's Margigessic and you know stuff that had happened and whatnot and how and everything. And and by the end of that conversation, John's like, I think I want to do the Margie Well, lo and behold, who gets talked into doing things that John does?
0: Oh, it's me all the time. Cause John's always like, Hey, uh, uh, brother, uh, what's up, John? Uh, guess what we're doing? What are we doing? Oh, we're doing the Margie guess uh, what's that? Oh, it's just right out in, uh, Ishraming uh, in Marquette and, you know, in, in Michigan. Uh, hold on. Are you talking about that crazy thing that Josh Blum does? Yeah. We're going to do that, man. I'm not doing that. Like who wants to be in torture. I don't want to be in torture on a bike. He goes, no, no, we're, we're going to train for it. And we're going to do it. Well, lo and behold. Unfortunately, John got, he got a knee injury and he wasn't able to do it. So pretty much I was, I was riding for John and I, when I, when I, you know, did it last weekend. And, uh, so now after I I gave him the whole report, he's like, I'm going to get my knee better. And would you do the 50 again, brother with me? I go, definitely. But the only difference is I'm going to race it. So long as we got a cell phones and I'm going to bring a battery charger this time, because yeah, my cell phone died, this died, that died. But uh, I'll be more prepared. But I can guarantee you, I will be doing push-ups and wheelies at every drop bag station again because you got to keep that upper body liquefied.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were gonna talk before we wrap this thing up. We were gonna talk Kettle Mountain, but man, we've gone on for quite a while now.
0: Oh man, just give me give me five minutes on Kettle Mountain. That yeah, I'll
1: give you five minutes on Kettle Mountain. Yeah, give me, please
0: give me five minutes on Kettle Mountain. He between you and him is the reason why my whole wardrobe has changed. I used to be a Dickies guy, Dickies brand, you know, uh, clothing, this, that, and the other. When I got my first pair of Kettle Mountain Virtue shorts, I'm like, "Hold on, these things are thin and nice. They got up pockets, and they got like a little Velcro and a little little attached belt." And then that's when the madness started. When my wife's like, "Um." Didn't you just order from Kettle Mount? Yep, I got a hat coming now. Didn't you just order? Yep, I got socks and a a, a, a no-fry sun hoodie coming now. Matter of fact, I want to get all the hoodies because they got the little thumb thing in there, and you can really train and fight jujitsu with the hoodie on in case some stuff goes down. And then, oh, hon, what do you got coming now? Oh, I got the shenanigan shorts coming. What? What you just, you just had three pair coming. Yeah, those are different ones, though. The shenanigan ones got a zipper on the side where I can put my cell phone in, and they got zipper pockets in the back that can drain water. And yeah, they're just great. Week later, hun, what do you? Oh, those are the board short. Yeah, you can go swimming with them and you can wear them without underwear, hun. You can go commando with them. And then you can put you got the little sunglass loop right here, in case you want to do some diving, some deep sea swimming with the little snap and the little the little tide. Yeah, I got she goes, um, I think you're addicted to Kettle Mountain. Yeah, that's what Josh Bum said too. <laughs> but their apparel. Like I told you like a month ago, Josh, I'm switching everything over to Kettle Mountain because this is why I like it so much. I can sit in the cinema with my Kettle Mountain shorts on. I can hop on my bike that doesn't look like mountain biking gear or um, road cycling gear. I'm sorry. I'm not going to Tess's Roadhouse wearing three pockets in the back and tight ass spandex with uh, butt cream that's not even working anymore. I'm not doing that. But Kettle Mountain shorts, they got some zip-up pockets and a nice little shirt that makes me look a little bit casual. Yeah, they got something going there. And the fact, what I like best about Jeff is his emails. You have a glorious package coming. Most emails are like, yep, here's your order. It's coming. it be dropped. No, he uses words in his emails that make you feel very great about buying from his company and also lets you know that he's probably a great guy. So I'd like to Meet him one day. I think what I'm going to do, if I decide to order the the shenanigan pants that just came out, I'm going to hit that $1,000 delivery button. I'm going to see if the wife would go for that. Think she would, Josh? I don't
1: know, man.
0: (laughs) So that's what I got to say about Kettle Mountain Man. And and I tell you, from the wayward hoodies to the subliminal shirt to the no Fries sun hoodie. To the jackets, to the socks, to the beanie, which I wear the beanie all the time, um, to the shorts, all that stuff, and the canyon bib, dude. I got four pair of canyon bibs. Why? Because I want one for every day of the week that I'm in the semi.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. you were ju- you were just talking about the the messaging and the emails, but what about the messaging and the packaging?
0: Oh, the messaging and the packaging is even better. I'm like, how does he how does he think of this stuff? Like go out and be rad today or go out and be great today. Like I just found something on my t-shirt that I didn't even know was there. Cause I'm like, well, my T I put my t-shirt on inside out and I'm like, well, hold on. What the heck is this on the bottom of the, go out and ride your bike today and be great. Little stuff like, and I've I've owned the t-shirt for about two, three months. And I didn't even know that was there. So even the, even the packaging alone, what I wish she had, I wish she had an exchange program because since I started, ordering from kettle mountain i've shaved off like 25 30 pounds and i'm too i'm too cheap to try to sell my big stuff so what i do i just kind of roll it over and safety pin it still looks good but it's all too big for me so now what i'm doing is i'm reordering shorts to what fit me now so i've got i've got a closet full of stuff that's too big but i refuse to get rid of it because it's like you know what i'm just gonna I'll, i'll wear it you'll see one day you'll see baggy Jonas, and then one day you'll see tight Jonas. That's just the way it's going to be.
1: Yeah. Well, and they're tagline as we are mountain bikers, hikers, trail runners, and travelers, and our goal is to die as young, as late as possible.
0: Yes. Love that. Yes. Love that, man.
1: Love it. Well, with that, Jonas, I think we can wrap this one up. You covered a lot of a lot of ground in this and and some very important topics, but also some very fun topics and Oh, yeah. I mean, all of this is super important because it it all is woven around the what what the bike can do for for people and, and what the bike has done for you and how you've proven to other people that the bike is a is an incredible tool. You know what I mean?
0: It's a great tool, because when I seen that there was a 72 year old guy that finished the Margie 100, that that right there floored me because I think of my grandfather I think of my great grandfather. I think of some of my uncles that didn't make it to 72, that if they would have ate better, if they would have stayed healthier, anybody that knows me, first thing I say, I will train and fight jujitsu and ride bike the rest of my life because I am 44 years old. I do not wake up with pain. I don't wake up with ailments. I move around like I'm a 20 year old. I feel like I'm 25 when I get up. I wear my kids out. I have four kids, two in the house, two out of the house, and football practices, baseball practice, basketball practice, mountain biking practice. Dad's there doing it. Dad, aren't you tired yet? Nope, I'm just getting started. I'm high off of life. I've got excellent energy. And you know what? I think because of my dad not being around and the situations I had to go through, which makes me a great dad today because I am all in with my kids. Because when I know when my two younger two are gone, and we're empty nesters. It's a, the party's only going to start then, Josh. So yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. As always, brother.
1: For sure, Jonas. I, I appreciate I appreciate not being not only being able to have you on, but I really appreciate having you as a friend for keeping for keeping me straight. You know, you you are you are a person that will call me regularly for no other reason just to check up and see how I'm doing. And I really appreciate that. So thank you very much, Jonas.
0: You're welcome. Absolutely. And as long as I'm living, I will continue to do that because I'll call you at the goofiest times because there's a lot of thought of my friends that go through my head and I don't sit there and dwell on, oh, I'll call them in two weeks or two days. If I'm thinking about you, I'll either send you a text message or call you when I know that you're up just to make sure that you're okay. because that stuff means a lot to me, because that's that's what I like when people do it to me, because when I was growing up, nobody ever checked on me. so. As an adult, being married, having kids, people check. And I and I don't say, how's your day? When I say to people, how's your day? How's your mental? How's your mental doing? Because people have a lot of mental things going on and are judged by that, which they shouldn't be. But let's have a conversation about it to see if I can help you through it or you can help me through what I'm going through. So, and I just, hey, I got the gift of gab, man. And I love my circle of friends can probably fit on the size of a quarter. And I always want to keep in touch with them. And like I said, even though a quarter seems very small, your two toes are on that quarter, Josh. So I've always got to make sure you're all right, man. And you do the same for me. So appreciate that.
1: For sure. For sure. And we got to get out and ride more together. I had a lot of fun riding with you on Friday. Showing you guys. Oh, how that was a blast. Showing you the better sides of Marquette.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're definitely, I, I do not make promises at all, but I will promise I will get to, we will get to Copper Harbor next year. And I want to go, marquette on a non-event and ride there for please three four days man
1: oh there's like friday of but you know the day before margie you're you're standing rippling river campground here and you're looking at trail forks going this is insane like there's so many trails like literally footsteps away from where i am or yes pedals you know pedal cranks away from where i am
0: yes yep yep and that was that was torture man that was torture you said Jonas. Um, you're doing the Margie 50, do not get on your bike. I know you're right smack dab in the middle, don't get on your bike. So you know what, I sat there and I listened to what you said for two hours and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go on the Grom Trail because the Grom Trail can't hurt. Well, the Grom Trail led me to some drop zone freaking double gap tabletop jump area where I sat there and sessioned that thing for 45 minutes and I said, you know what, if Josh catches me, he's going to be upset, I better go back to my truck. Oh no, I'm not going to be upset. I just know that I just know
1: that may have may or may not have made made your day longer the next day, but the reality is we're all here for the same reason, and that's to have fun. And you are out having fun and that's the important part.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm good. continue to have fun and uh, that's that's what the, that's what life's all about, man. So yeah, definitely. And I I appreciate this podcast because it has taught me a lot about mountain biking, um it's taught me a lot about how to respect trails. Uh, especially how to respect other animals and equestrians on trails, which I never would have knew if I did not listen to this podcast. So, you know me, I listen to my podcast in threes. So, and I know you're, you're working on a little hiatus. I listen to the, um, the re-airs, but yeah, I'm a guy out here that I've listened to every single episode of all your podcasts and you are doing great and continue the good work, man. Cause you are, you are taking off and you don't even know it.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Jonas. I appreciate it. And this is all, I mean, we do it because it's, it's just about sharing knowledge with others and that's the important thing that we're doing. So definitely brother. Well, Jonas, you have a great yesterday and have a great ride tonight.
0: You too, man. You do as well. And uh, like I said, as always, appreciate you.
1: Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who've taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to the Trail Effect podcast on Apple or Spotify, please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show our support for the Trail Effect podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dujustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliate links tab at the Trail Effect website, where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.TrailEffectPodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which will help keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening.